I'm going to assume, if you're like anyone else, that you've witnessed a lot of serious violence in your lifetime. Well, at least on screen. Violence is more prevalent than ever before on TV and film, as it is, of course, in real life. What does that mean for us as a society? How about our youth? That time when most of us were first exposed to these depictions of violence. You're now going to hear a group of young participants retell from memory one of the most violent film scenes they have ever watched and choose if they would play victim, perpetrator, or bystander in the scene, and why. These young people are participants of a film and violence project called Direct Approach, which was initiated by the Danish artist Steen Marie Jacobsen in 2012, and has since traveled to many places around the world as a contemporary anti-violence method. I'll explain to you how the method works after you've heard the participants' cinematic witness reports. During their retellings, there may be some graphic language, but keep in mind that the violence has been altered by their memories. And, as far as spoiler alerts, well, you won't know if they're spoiling the film, because the speakers haven't watched the original film scene again, so there's no guarantee that the scenes will be the same as the original film. Unraveling the memory of a film scene is like unraveling a scene from real life. A film scene recalled from memory invariably consists of different aspects, including the participant's own worldview and their personal identification with the characters involved. So, while all characters appearing in this work are fictitious, any resemblance to real persons, living or dead, is no longer coincidental. Memory is filtered through subjective interpretation, and intrinsically we experience everything alone. It is in the space of solitude that repression can happen. Memory is construction. We collect information from what happened at an event, attempting to remember, based on our knowledge and expectations of the world, as well as our emotional starting point, among other factors. This construction can, if you have a little imagination, transform our recollection into a rather foggy picture. But if you remember new details, you can get more pictures until, put together, they seem like a little movie. It's as if you're imagining something. For example, envision yourself standing on your head in Times Square, which I don't suppose you've done, although I'm sure you're familiar with Times Square. And if you wish, you can construct an action where you jump around on your head between the cars. This is not a stored movie. It is a construction that you've made here and now, based on a lot of details. My name is Elijah Guo. I'm a writer, actor, and producer, and I've collaborated on this podcast as a scriptwriter. I personally think this podcast is important because it's a unique platform for examining how we relate to violence by asking participants to recount a film scene, pick a fictional character, explain their choice, and engage in discourse and reflection on temporary violence. This is clearly a relevant issue in society today, and has been for some time. My name is Tina Marie Jacobson. I'm an artist and educator. I made this project in order to have a platform for sharing our different experiences and understandings of violence without having to share 
our private stories. It is my hope that by listening to each other and these interviews, with an open mind that we can come to a deeper understanding of our own dark sides and how different our sensitivities to violence can be. I encourage you to try the method for yourself. You will now hear a series of interviews where I ask young people specific questions. After the interviews, these questions will be explained in detail and with guidelines. All the direct approach participants are asked the same questions to help them recollect a film scene memory. You'll now hear Eloise, a 15-year-old student attending Beacon High School. So, tell me about the most violent film scene that you've ever seen. So, one of the most violent and, I think, impactful scenes that I have watched is from the show 13 Reasons Why. And it occurred in the 12th episode, I'm pretty sure. Um, it depicts the protagonist being raped. And in the scene, it's sort of like a physical and emotional violence that occurs. Um, emotional violence because the effect the violence had on the sexually assaulted character. Ultimately, this was stated as one of the reasons for her suicide. Um, in the beginning of the scene, the girl goes into a pool. And I think that there was a party that had happened. And another boy joins her inside of the pool or the hot tub, and it took place during the night. And the boy kind of pleads and asks to have sex with her, but she says no, so he forces himself on her. Um, while he's attempting to rape her, she freezes in place, and she can't move. Um, I remember that she seemed sort of lifeless, like her, her eyes were just still in shock, and she was wearing a sort of a long sort of dress. Um, and she sort of, I don't know, she kind of stood there like a puppet or a doll, and I don't remember her reacting to the situation or fighting back, which was curious at first. When did you watch this film, and who did you watch it with? I watched the film alone just because I was curious. I had heard a couple people in my school talking about the show, and... I just decided that I wanted to watch it. And as soon as I started watching it, I was sort of, I don't know, I was enraptured with the whole idea and I couldn't stop watching it. So I watched it till the end. Can you tell me a little bit more about like how old they were and how old the boy looked or mm -hmm. how old you think the boy is and how old the girl is? Yeah, um, I think that they were adolescents. So I would assume about 16 to 17. The Actors were definitely a little older, so this did not, they did not look like an actual 15, 16, 17 year old would look, I think. Um, they did look a little older, like sort of in their 20s. What do you think about that? Uh, that? That they sometimes cast people that are older than the age they actually act? Well, I think it's kind of about the idea that kids can't handle mature that kids are not mature enough to handle that sort of that, that sort of scene work that kids can't be exposed to working with that kind of material because it's very difficult to work with and I'm sure that it affects a lot of children um, but I think that it also I think that if they are going to depict a scene such as that I think they could use older figures um, and also just not to show it's so graphically and so, I don't know, so dramatically. And how, how does the boy look? Like if you should describe it, him to a police officer or and the girl as mm -hmm. well, how do they look? Can you describe? 
So the boy had, it was sort of well-built, I guess you could say. Um, he had blonde hair, uh, very typical, I guess, stereotypical high school look for a boy uh, that you see in a lot of movies. And the girl also looked a little older, but she had brown long hair and I think she had green or blue eyes. I'm not sure. Um, so can you describe him in, in detail, how he how he looks? Like, what is the typical high school student? I think that there is no typical high school student, but I think that in TV shows and in movies, there definitely is. And it's usually the stereotype is a boy that has, I don't know, very defined features and looks, I don't know, almost like not a real person, I guess, that has a lot of muscles and has perfect hair, perfect shiny hair that sort of up there yeah and um you said she had brown hair mm -hmm. and blue or green yeah. eyes how would you describe her features i feel like she did look more like a normal person than the i mean they both did look like a normal person but i feel like it was definitely sticking to those stereotypes and picking people that were beautiful i mean just beautiful in in terms of society standards um, so they, you said they were at a party. What type of party was it? And can you describe the house that they were in? Mm -hmm. how, how does the house look? I think that it was a townhouse. So there was one of those um, free invite parties that everyone is invited to. And I think that there was drinking and smoking. I don't remember entirely. Um, but it kind of raged on long into the night. And then afterwards, it was kind of just them left there, which was interesting i don't i didn't understand how that transition exactly worked how it was just the two of them there um and that's how they came to be in the hot tub in the pool so if you had to play or identify with one of these characters well imagine that we would make the film scene with you who would you play would you play the boy or the girl and i'm gonna call him a perpetrator mm -hmm. and her the victim now to to make it clearer Would you play the perpetrator or the victim, and why? Well, I think that in this situation, um, I would like to think that if I were the victim, I would have fight, fought back against the boy. Obviously, I can't speak because I've never been in such a horrifying situation. I can't assume that that's how I would react. I could, I could have, um, I could freeze up or something, but I think that if I did, if I were in that situation, I hope that I would fight back and I would do something about it. So, so who would you play? The victim. Well, I wouldn't call her a victim necessarily. Um, I don't think that she should be victimized and she should be treated like a poor sort of weak person. Um, I think that you could also you could say that she was kind of like a bystander, though, because of the way that she didn't really help her own cause. She sort of froze up, which is something that happens when people are in situations where they're they have they're in fear, sort of they freeze and they're not sure how to react. That's something that happens a lot. Um, and I think that that's what happened to her. So why would you play her? Well, I think that I would want to fight back. I would want to kick him. <laughs> I would I would want to do something um, to protect myself. And why would you not play him? 
Well, if I had the chance to play him, obviously I wouldn't carry out the rape. But if I had to stick with the scene, I think a perpetrator is someone who carries out a harmful or immoral act. And I would definitely not, I would not agree with that. I would not be okay with acting in that position. And how did it make you feel back then watching that scene when you were alone? And can, can you describe that mm -hmm. a little bit? Well, I felt that it was sort of, there was, well, first of all, there was no music. So it, everything seemed like very lifelike and very eerie and real. And usually in movies, everything's dramatized and, and sensationalized. And music usually creates like this whole atmosphere of drama. And in this scene, it wasn't. So it really, it, it was very uncomfortable to watch. But also, I kind of got like addicted to it in a, in a weird way. Like I could hide behind the screen and watch her sort of uh, experience this pain because I was not affected by it and so I didn't I don't know I didn't I wasn't sort of I wasn't um I didn't want to like stop watching it I guess you could say um I was sort of thrilled by it a little bit um would you watch the scene again I think that If one of my friends would want to watch the scene, I feel like I would sit with them and we would watch it, but only if we could talk about how it affected us um, afterwards. I think that it's important to bring light to it and kind of talk about it. Um, it makes people feel better about the scene, I think, when they have to, they're, when they're able to share their opinions. But I feel like talking about disturbing scenes always helps. Um, so what would your main kind of comment be to someone listening to you right now? Like, what would you tell them about the scene if they don't have someone to talk to? Well, I think that this sort of this um, assault or that this TV series kind of gives a false truth to younger generations about what like pleasure and sex is in a way because I know I have a lot of friends that watched it and they were kind of like pleased by the idea that he was raping her and they I don't know they thought it was kind of like something that they almost rooted for or they thought it was they thought it was cool or they thought it was I don't know interesting or they felt they felt like it was pleasurable I'm not exactly sure but it kind of just made like rape seem sexy and also seem natural or right or it also kind of set standards to meet um, maybe not particularly with this scene, but definitely with others. Um, it also is important, I guess, not to sensationalize this violence and make it seem okay like this. Um, tell me a bit about more about that. Like, were you in high school or were, were, were you in school when somebody started talking about this scene? Yes, it was sort of with a group of friends, but it was also this idea that was circulating a little bit. What do you mean? It was circulating that people were talking about this scene that we're yeah, talking about? Yeah, about this specific scene. What were they saying, for example? Well, I think that it did affect a lot of people in a more... They were more disturbed than others, but a lot of other people, I don't know. They didn't find it com like completely amazing and fascinating, but it's sort of, I don't know. They enjoy the idea of someone being taken advantage of. Like this whole idea of dominance was... I don't know, for them, it, I, don't, I, I really wouldn't know how to describe it, how they were. And was this gender-related? Would 
boys say something differently than girls or was there any or did every all genders speak in the same way about this? Did I you? think there definitely pro- there probably was a difference. I think that guys are definitely also affected by it, but a lot of guys I but also I did hear someone in my school saying that it wasn't that bad. And that's something that is really not okay and it's just terrible because it it shows how the violence is made okay and it's not it i guess influencing uh influencing them and showing them how terrible abuse is and 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 spreading like sort of educating them on how terrible it is what do you think goes through a boy's head when he says it's not that bad honestly i think that he's telling himself that sort of i think that it's something like a, sort of a shield like a barrier of protection sort of like putting up this whole wall because they've probably had instincts before and i'm not saying this for all boys but um i'm not sure i think that because people right now specifically that people are attacking men the male, male gender for a lot of things they put up this this like protection barrier and they get all defensive such a good answer if i had been as clever as you when i was 15 um so you explained who you would that you would play the girl mm-hmm. um and how do you think you would have reacted if you had uh, been in this situation Imagine that, sorry, imagine that you're changing the scene. How would you change it? Mm-hmm. Well, if I was in the situation, as I said before, I wouldn't know how to react. But if I were to change the scene itself, um, I think that I would have made the protagonist. I would have made her try to, to help herself, you know, to fight back, to give the idea that you can fight back. And it's something that you can do. How do we learn that? How do yeah well I think that talking about it specifically I think that educating people about it and letting it be known and making it I know creating comfortable spaces where people can talk about it is very helpful I want you to be my trainer um so comfortable places where we can talk about it are there other things that you could like train as a young boy or girl to defend yourself against sexual assaults like that moment we spoke about that moment of like how do we know when that happens how do we train our impulses to defend ourselves well there are a lot of programs that help with that i've actually taken a couple in my school um it was sort of a defense class and they taught us i don't know to sense danger and, and fight back towards it. it was kind of a cool class and i think that a lot of schools should be that it should be something universal that it should be something that schools are exposed to and students should should um learn totally and how do you sense violence what did you learn well i think that there's this large question about like what is rape and what counts as rape and what is violence what is sexual violence um And I think that many young girls and boys don't understand the idea of consent or when something seems uh, wrong or right because to be touched sexually doesn't always seem bad. Sometimes it seems like it's gentle or it, it sometimes it's someone that you trust. So that but that obviously doesn't mean that it's right without consent. Um, and I think that it's difficult to identify like pity and empathy when talking to someone about it too. Um, but 
Can you give an example? Like pity and empathy, like how, how do you not have an example? Yeah, so there's, I think that when talking to someone, there's definitely people that will care and want to help you do something about it. But there are definitely people that are also afraid of that and sort of, I mean, feel bad for you and have that pity, but they won't want you to act upon it. Like there, people are hushed in these situations. People are taught to, to act nice and not talk about them in their families and or in their I guess in their background too and in society um why well I think that it's a way to silence them it's a way to silence young girls it's it's something it's a touchy subject that people don't want to talk about and people may get defensive about it and there's so many different experiences and situations and it seems like this sort of complicated mess when it really isn't and I don't know, people want to stay away from that complicated mess and want it to kind of go away. How can we do it better in the future, do you think? Well, I think that supporting, we need more people to support women who have like done outreaches and talked about their experiences and we really need to fight for them and people need to get their get their act together. And I mean, so the question is, does the depicted violence reflect reality or not? And like, can you explain a bit like how is it real or is that are, and are there unreal parts of the film? Yeah. As well? well, I think that every situation is different. So this could totally happen in a similar way or it could have totally not. And so whether it's real or not is difficult. But I think that showing depicting like sexual violence this sort of crazy I think for me it, it was very very real you could just see everything happening and I don't know if that's the best way to spread awareness about it and to explain about it so you're helping them right now <laughs> um is there anything that I forgot to ask you about the film scene itself or other points that you wanted to address um, well, I was also talking about before about victim blaming and how people can try to justify rape by like the the boy in the film scene afterwards says that she was asking for it. He says the words like she 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 wanted it. You know what I mean? She was asking for it. And this happens a lot. And a lot of times it can be like she was wearing something provocative or I don't know. She she kind of gave me the idea that she wanted it. And so these like these words can, I guess, diminish the seriousness of the rape itself and it affects the way that people perceive sexual abuse uh, in every situation and I think that there's a lot of situations where this rape is sort of justified like right now with the Brett Brett Kavanaugh case or with Brock Turner or Clarence Thomas where like a minimal sentence Uh, is given when se and sexual assault accusations are sort of dismissed. And so that's something in society that kind of revealed the flaws in our government and in our system uh, with a man's story overcoming a woman's voice and how misogyny and male privilege is sort of molded into our society system, into our justice system, and people do not take it as seriously as it should be taken. Um, and we can just, all we can do is keep fighting. I'm getting 
pose a trick question now. Um, so hearing you speak about how we sometimes freeze up and we don't mm -hmm. act when something violent or sexually assaultive happens to us, um, could the film scene be positively used also to show that this is actually how we... Um, how we act sometimes and could you like turn around the scene and say but look this is like why we women sometimes don't say in the moment where the sexual assault happens of course no 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 it's it's very it's very real in that way where it shows that this does happen but i i think that people almost need to know they, they need to be exposed to the idea that you can fight back you know there is the idea that it happens that you freeze up but after she freezes up this is one of the reasons why she commits suicide and i think that is something that we should not show that we should inspire people to take action and keep living on and i don't know in the in this scene i feel like if she fought back people can see that that is an option and i feel like that's a better way to approach the situation when i guess exposing this to a younger audience Uh, in what way are you violent as a person? Well, I think that everyone has this sort of, I, I don't know, I feel like that's also an idea of like humanity and what is the inner violence inside of humans and what, what causes us to act in a specific way. And I think for me, the most violent place is probably in my head and in my thoughts even though I don't act upon a lot of the violent things that I'm thinking about, I have definitely thought about doing violent things. Um, maybe not in all seriousness, but I've definitely thought of that. And I think that that could be considered as the most violent thing that I have done. And when do you think it's okay to use violence? Well, I think that in a perfect world, it's it would never be okay to use violence. Um I really, I think that everything, everything really can be solved without violence. <laughs> there's just, there's no way around it. There's, there's so many situations and obviously complicated situations. But if you like carve into there, you see that there's a way of fixing everything <laughs> without the violence. People just choose to use it to defend themselves or their pride or tons of other, of other um, things. In our unperfect world, yeah. we have to defend ourselves sometimes. Yeah. yeah. I think that's it. Okay, maybe one last question. That okay. that course that you took in school where you said you were, it was a self-defense mm -hmm. course. Um, and you you learned how to detect when th something was violent. Can you just tell us a little bit more about what did you do in the course? Yeah. So it was, at first there was sort of a more physical part of the course so there was um a man who came in and had these huge pads on everywhere like these these enormous these enormous cushion cushioning sort of like this armor almost and we would we would act out scenarios in like real street scenarios where you would be in a place where you feel that sort of danger and he was an actor obviously but we would do it in stages like where we would feel the most danger and how we should react in each situation and it came to us actually defending ourselves and kicking the the plush man <laughs> <laughs> the, the man with the um the padding on it and then there was also one where we talked about how to identify like when we feel unsafe And sort of having and trusting that gut feeling. That's something that's very important. That usually if you feel uncomfortable and you feel unsafe, it, you usually end up being right. And because that just 
I don't know, it's impulse and you kind of feel that in your head, in your heart, in your body, in your mind. All the speakers were asked the same questions to help them recollect their film scenes from memory. Here are the questions, along with some guidelines on how to properly utilize them. One, what is the most violent film scene that you've ever watched? Two, tell me more. This may include more detailed questions, such as, how does the scene begin and end? What time of day did the scene take place? In what sort of setting did it take place? What did the perpetrator, victim, and bystander look like? How did the perpetrator, victim, and bystander move? What were they wearing? How did they look, including age, hair, eye color, etc.? What do you remember about sound effects and soundtrack? Do you remember any specific words spoken in the scene? What other details do you remember? What happened next? This last follow-up is particularly useful, because even if, as an interviewer, you think that the whole film scene has been described in ample detail, such questions may prompt the participant to remember more about the scene. By asking them what happened next, they may believe that something else happened. 3. If you had to play the victim, perpetrator, or bystander, which role would you choose? 4. Why? The participant's insertion into and interaction with their film scene is a crucial part of the direct approach practice because it allows them to engage with their memory of this act of violence in a proactive and perhaps reformative manner. It may allow them to find the inner truth, meaning, or relevance of the scene to their own life. 5. Would you act the same way if you were in that situation? This may include more detailed questions, such as, when and with whom did you watch the film scene? What made you watch the whole film scene? Would you watch it again? In what way are you violent as a person? Can you say something positive about violence? Most people answer that they are not violent in any way, but the project invites them to reflect on this. Also, to say something positive about violence is to define when you think it is okay to use violence. This is a very important question for all of us to consider and discuss the answer to. 6. Does the violence depicted reflect society today? If yes, how? If no, why not? This question is an effective way to expand their interaction with the scene into a broader worldview. However, they will arrive at this point most effectively only after having first delved into their personal relationship to the scene via the previous questions. Some guidelines for when you set up the interview are to make sure the participants do not try to depict with 100% accuracy the film scene that the interview is about, simply in order to give a better interview. Remind the speakers that the conversation is public. It can be very personal to talk about violent experiences and opinions, and participants can very easily share private stories. This project offers the film scene as a protective shield. The interviewers should never interrupt the participants. Be a patient and accepting listener. Turn the focus away from your own ego in order to concentrate your attention on the participants and their stories. Never interrupt or finish their sentence. Ask neutral questions in order not to affect their memory. For instance, instead of asking, is the car blue? Ask, what color was the car? I hope listening to this experience has been illuminating for you as you consider the role of violence in the media and society. And now, of course, I want to know, what scene would you choose? 
If you want to book a direct approach workshop, please email contact at direct-approach.org. Direct Approach is supported by the Danish Arts Foundation.